0: It is Vision Sunday. Excited to share what God has in store, we believe, this year for this church, what God has in store this year for your life. But it's gonna take something out of us. It's gonna take having a, a warrior spirit, it's gonna take having a servant's heart, having a, a cheerful attitude. And when that takes place, we're going to see unexpected overflow. That's my title today, unexpected overflow. Sometimes we're disappointed because our expectations are high. Your friend says, oh my goodness, I met the perfect person. Go out on a blind date with this person. They are perfect for you. They're amazing. You show up and you're like... Did not meet your expectations. You were disappointed. Or you're expecting to get the raise to get the promotion at work. You have that expectation and you're already, you think you're the person, and then it goes to someone else and you're disappointed. But what if you have no expectations and God exceeds what you ever dreamed possible? We're going to discover that today as we go to Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, another name for it, he's with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, a.k.a. Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore then he sat down and taught the people from the boat when he had finished speaking he said to simon put out into deep water look at the person next to you and say we're going deeper we're we're going deeper this year we're put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch simon answered master we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so, (laughs) I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. (laughs) Fishing, have you ever gone fishing? Any fisher men, fisher women, those that identify as fish (laughs) people? I, I didn't really grow up fishing. I've only been a few times. The first time I went fishing is when my dad took me. And my dad didn't grow up fishing, and he had warned me about how like this was not this was like you're going to be out there for a long time we may not catch anything it's going to be difficult it's going to be challenging <laughs> but guess what through through the hook into the water immediately something's pulling reel it up it's a fish take it off throw it back in fish fish after fish after fish after fish my dad had taken me to a stocked pond <laughs> After the nine, my mom gave me this photo. I think they have it right now. This is us. Uh, look at that. Look at those shorts, by the way. Ooh. Someone's got to bring those back. <laughs> because we were at a, a stock pond. But, but regular fishing is not like that. And here you have, you have fishermen, and there's two boats. And the fishermen are washing their nets. You would think it probably smells. Because fish smell, things that have encountered fish smell. Up in Washington, where Lindsay grew up, they have Pike's Place. Anyone ever heard of Pike's Place? I'm not just talking because of Starbucks, because you're like, yes, the original (laughs) Starbucks, Pike's Place, it's actually like a a seafood area where they bring in market, and they're up there bringing fish in, and the people are throwing around fish, fish are flying, it smells like fish. The people who are working with the fish or out fishing still smell like like fish. It's interesting that when Jesus was picking his disciples, he picked many fishermen. Most scholars think at least seven of them were fishermen. When you think about the characteristics of a fisherman, the people have courage, they have patience. They, they have determination. They understand teamwork because it's not just like line fishing. They're out there, they're out there with nets. Those are the characteristics, it, it appears, Jesus valued. What are the characteristics that our culture values? How you look. If you're willing to, to bow down to the cultural narrative. <laughs> but Jesus is looking for people who will stand out. Jesus is looking for people who, who have boldness and, and they're there and they're washing their nets. Why are they doing this? If they didn't wash the nets and stretch the nets out, the nets would begin to rot and they would begin to break. A lot of things in life require maintenance and require care. Anyone have a car? You need to take that car in every once in a while to get an oil change. The tires need to be rotated. Lindsay and I found out that even dryers, washer and dryers, sometimes you gotta maintain those. Because our dryer would make a lot of noise, it would shake, and it would take a long time to dry clothes. We had a repair person out who who did a few things to the dryer and realized that the vents were like had so much dust in it so cleaned it out repaired the the dryer and all of a sudden it's no longer shaking and making a lot of noise and it doesn't take an hour and a half to sort of dry clothes in a half an hour they're dry it's like it required required maintenance and care relationships require maintenance and care If you don't don't invest into your marriage and care for your marriage and work on the maintenance of it, you'll discover, uh uh-oh, this thing's not operating very smoothly. In our careers, it requires care and it requires maintenance. Some of the things that go wrong in our lives could be avoided with ongoing care. And so they're there and they're caring for their nets. They're taking care of their nets. And Jesus gets into Peter's boat and asks him to go out just a little bit. Just a little. (laughs) If Jesus wanted to use your boat, what would you say? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Do you have a boat? If Jesus asked to use a little bit of your Sunday morning and have you serve, not just attend, what would you say? If Jesus asked to use just a little bit of your money above and beyond the tithe, what would you say? If Jesus asked to use a little bit of your talent, what would you say? You may not want to admit it, but some of us can be like little kids. Mine. Mine. You're like, Sunday morning? To serve? There's two football games today. Mine. Mine. A little bit more than the 10% than the, than the tithe? I'm saving up to buy a boat. <laughs> Not me. They say the best day of your life is when you buy a boat. The second best day is when you sell the boat, right? Is that what they? Never owned a boat. Don't know. But you're like, I'm saving up. But mine, will you let Jesus use your boat? You know that if Peter... Did not follow the first request, he would not have been ready for the second. So, so, Peter allows Jesus to use his boat. Gets in his boat, goes out, goes out just a little bit. What's Jesus doing? Is Jesus teaching? He's fishing. He's showing Peter what he has in store for him. And Peter at this moment is a captive audience. Because they've gone out from the shore, he's in the boat. Sometimes Jesus will take us to a place where we're a captive audience and we can't go anywhere. Like you're feeling really uncomfortable right now, but you're in the very middle of the aisle. And you're like, I can't get out either side without being a distraction. (laughs) Captive, a captive audience. Peter's preparing his nets, but Jesus is preparing Peter. You see, Jesus is preaching to a crowd, but he's preparing an individual Jesus will preach to crowds, but his message is always to individuals. Jesus cares for individuals. As a kid, the song that played around my house all the time, song called Lord Prepare Me. My mom asked me a couple weeks ago, why haven't you told that story? I played it all the time. Don't you still remember it? So for my mom, (laughs) Lord prepare me all the time to be a sanctuary, pure and holy. Tried and true, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know that <laughs> with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. You know that God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And when you, when you follow the first request to go into shallow water, you've now been positioned to go into deeper water. Because if you don't first take the first step, you're not ready to take the second step. What is your next step? It may not seem like a big step, but you need to take it. For someone, if you haven't been baptized, your next step is to be baptized. I have great news. We're baptizing next Sunday. You can get baptized. For someone, your next step is to start serving at church. I have great news. The connect tent is on your way out and you can stop on your way out to your car today and get signed up to serve. What is your, your next step? And Jesus, then asked, he asked Peter, he says, now we, let's go into deep water and let's let down our nets. It's time for someone to go deeper, to go into a deeper Commitment. To go into a deeper understanding of Scripture and start reading it every day. To go into a deeper relationship with God and start praying every single day. But if I was Peter and Jesus is asking me to go out into deep water and drop my nets, I don't know that I would have done it. Because if you're Peter, you'd have been like, I was fishing all night and I caught nothing, I'm ready to sell my nets. Am I the only one? In high school, my sophomore year, this was back in the day when freshmen didn't play varsity sports. So I was on the freshman baseball team, and that year, when I was a freshman, we won CIF at South Hills High School. So when I was a sophomore, I was playing on varsity to start the year. We had six returners, I was hitting fifth in the lineup, had the highest batting average. My baseball swing was the swing my dad taught me. It was the swing his dad taught him. It was one of the old-style baseball swings. It wasn't the newer versions that are compact. It was, just, it, was, it was long. You whip the hips. It looked like you're basically doing an Elvis move. My dad would teach me. It was just the hips. It's all just the hips. You just, you just whip the hips. And the baseball coach was trying to get me to, to shorten my swing, to make it more compact. I was like, Coach, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. My dad taught me to swing, and I have the highest batting average on the team. Don't mess with my swing. And he's like, no, you're going to go work on it with a guy who's down from AAA. You see, one of the seniors on our team was a kid named Jeremy Jombie, who tragically ended his life a few years ago. His brother was a guy named Jason Jombie. If you know baseball, Jason was an all ended up becoming an all star. Jason Jombie had a long career, made millions of dollars. The movie Moneyball is sort of about Jason Jombie. He was big on steroids too, by the way. So he was out because he was injured. So he was practicing with us. And the coach said, I want you to practice with him. Learn how he swings. I was like, he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) I got the hips, coach. I got the hips. These hips are whipping, coach. These Like I got the highest batting average. The coach said, if you don't change your swing, I'm going to cut you. No, you won't. You're not going to cut me. I have the highest batting average on the team. You won't cut me. I didn't change. And he cut me down to JV, I was pissed, I was like a jerk to the JV coach, after a few games, the JV coach came up to me, right before one of, one of our games, and he says, since you came down, the, the, the player that you've replaced hasn't gotten to play at all, so I'm gonna start them, because the, you know, we're playing the schools, not very good, so I'm gonna start them in your place, and I was just pissed, I took off my jersey at that moment, when the coach was talking to me, threw it in his face, and I said, I quit, I'm out of here. Has anyone ever feel like that? You've been doing something all night, you've been trying so hard to work your way up at that job, and it's like nothing seems to be working. You're trying so hard to, to mend that relationship, and nothing seems to be working, and you want to quit? And as Jesus is like, wait, hold on, wait, these nets are all clean, I'm all done, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and you want me to go out now? I'm frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Frustrated with no progress in the relationship? Frustrated with no progress in your finances? Frustrated with no progress in your, maybe in your walk with God? Frustrated. A couple years ago, we bought property as a church in Sarasota. And it is an incredible property right in the downtown area. This was before Sarasota exploded. Since then, by exploded, I mean so many people have moved there. They've been building high-rises, hotels, condominiums. This building that we purchased was previously owned years ago by a guy named Charles Ringling. Now, Sarasota was pretty much built by the Ringling brothers. You ever been to the circus, Ringling, Barnum, and Bailey? So. It was not a historic building. They tried to get it historic. But because it was built by Charles Ringling and there's so much development in Sarasota, they've been giving us a hard time because they want to keep it as it is. And it's like, we don't want to sue the city. We don't want to sue. It's not, it's not technically zoned historic. And we've been struggling and we've been trying to help. You ever just feel like you're trying to do something good and you're trying to do something good and all there is is, is opposition? Don't let moments of frustration keep you from a miracle. I have an announcement. There is unexpected overflow. Go deeper, Peter. Let's go deeper. Drop your nets. Would have been like, Jesus? I'm a fisherman. No, I'm not, but Peter is. (laughs) I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? If you want to talk about how to build this boat, then we can talk. This is my expertise. Stay in your lane of expertise. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> the, the second time I ever remember going fishing, uh, my dad gave my brother and I uh, this like medicine for motion sickness. You ever taken it? Gets you a little tired? So the first time was at this little, you know, stocked pond. The second time we went out into the ocean. He gives us this medicine for motion sickness. It was one of those overnight things. Like it made me sleepy. I fell asleep. I woke up and we're heading back into shore. (laughs) Don't have a lot of experience fishing. So the third time I ever went fishing, my dad took my brother and I up to Alaska, and we fly into Sitka, and then we get off our plane, and we get onto one of those, uh, like, um Water planes, you know, where you take off and we fly from Sitka an hour into the middle of nowhere. And there's this lodge that's on a floating barge that is attached to an island. And we're staying in the middle of nowhere in this little cabin with this family that hosts everything. And they have boats, they cook all the food, they do everything every day. My brother, my dad, and I got into this boat with our guide there and he took us out on the water. Within 15 minutes, you're in the middle of nowhere. You're already... He's like, okay, guys, time to fish. What do we do? One of the reasons I loved it is the guy would do everything. He would bait it. He would drop it down. He would reel it in. It was cold. I could stay inside this little thing. Like, he would do everything. He was the expert. I didn't, uh, who would I be to tell him how to fish? That's his expertise. That's, that's what he knows what to do. Most scholars would agree that the Sea of Galilee at that point, that you would fish at night, not during the day. That you would fish at night in the shallow end, not in the deep end. That's what they did. They would fish all night in the shallow end, and they would catch fish. What Jesus is asking Peter to do, get this, was contrary to his training and his experience. Have you ever had God ask you to do something that goes against everything you've experienced? That goes against everything that the experts have to offer? That there are times when having faith appears to conflict with the facts? You see, past training and experience can move you forward in life. But it can also become a limit to what God wants to do in your life. Here's how Peter responded. Peter said, Master? Now, the translation of this word master can carry various meanings, but every meaning, every meaning speaks of authority. Are you willing to submit to God's authority? As a kid, I'd watch a TV show. Who's the boss? Who's the boss? On the way to church today, I'm driving. Lindsay's the DJ and she goes back and forth from worship music and 80s music. That's how we get ready. Worship music and 80s music. And when she went to the 80s music, all of a sudden it was Bobby Brown. Everyone everybody's talking all this stuff about me. Why don't they just let me live? I don't need permission, made my own decision. That's my prerogative. I can live how like that's how many of us live our lives. Who's the boss? Or, or maybe we think we're the boss, but the reality is we're listening to the words of other people. Well, that's what they said. That's what this expert said. Or we're listening to our own voices. It's telling us things like, it'll never happen. That's just the way it is. But here's how Peter responds. He says, Master, because you say so, what did God say? I'm not talking about what you've experienced up to this year. I'm saying, what did God speak over your 2024? God spoke in my spirit. That for for this church, it is a year of unexpected overflow. there There are three areas that we're believing for God to move powerfully this year. That I believe God spoke into my spirit. God spoke into my spirit. The first thing, as we step into the new, is that there is a new identity. A new identity. It's more than just the look of the building. It's more than just wanting to continue to update the exterior of this place. There is a new identity. God is doing a new thing, and we don't want to be living in the old thing. We want to be in in the new, a new identity. The second thing is a new discipleship development method. As a church, the message never changes. The message is Jesus, has always been Jesus, will always be Jesus. But the methods change. How are we doing developing disciples? How is not just our church, but the church at large? If we haven't seen during this whole COVID time and everything going on, like a lot of people are like, we may even go to church, but do we really understand the word of God? Are we really strong in our walk with him? And if not, then what we're doing is not working well because we're not called to just like play church. We're called to develop disciples. So, what God's spoken to my spirit is this really has to do with this realm of spiritual fitness. Because, you know, if you want to get physically fit and you want to get healthy, there's a lot of great materials out there. You can be like, okay, I'm going to eat, I'm going to go eat like a vegan, a lot of materials can do the carnivore diet, whatever you want. Okay, I'm gonna work out and I'm, you know, I'm gonna do CrossFit. I'm gonna do that. They, they, there's a lot of different, a lot of different ways. But when you wanna grow with God, it's hard to find things that are out there. And we're not saying this is the only way, but we're establishing this year. We're praying it's gonna take so much, but but we're praying that this year we launch a new way. Two aspects of this discipleship development that we are working hard on launching this year. The first is let me say it this way. It's about a six to eight to ten week journey, we're still not sure, that people go through in groups to help people understand what is the Bible. Understanding creation, the fall, redemption, the God, God's plan and purpose for the church, the God's plan and purpose for you and I. And we are, oh, it is being developed. I've I've brought my dad in. I've even brought my oldest son in because I want this to reach different generations. My dad's been like locked away doing some writing. I've been giving him some stuff, writing. We've been writing. We've been, we've been writing. We're almost done with the first five days. It's gonna be something that, 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 that people can go through in groups where you really understand, I get it. I, I really, I get the Bible. It doesn't mean you have all the answers, but you have a found. I'm talking about a foundation. The second thing it's been on my heart to have some sort of an app or some sort of a way where we can help people on a daily basis. Because if you're just here on Sundays, which is awesome, be here on Sundays or online if you're out of state. But if you're only here on Sundays, even if you're involved in a group on, on Wednesdays and you're being inundated through the week with other stuff, it's hard to become all God's called you to become to really become the individual, the follower of Jesus that you're capable of becoming. And so we just, about a week and a half ago, finally think we found the right company to work with us in developing this app. It's gonna take money, it's going to take a lot of time. But in this app, it, we, what we would be able to do is have a Bible reading program where you can have people where it's you're not just reading this daily reading, but you're also able to write your takeaways. And other people are able to comment on those. You're able to read other people's takeaways from that scripture reading. We're able to have a prayer aspect where at any point in time, someone could have a prayer request. And right away, people know that they're praying for them. We can have daily gratitude. Where we could, anyone remember the old bracelets, the WWJD bracelets? What would Jesus do? We think like this big moment, like, oh, what should I do? You know, I'm deciding, do I go work for this company or that company? What would Jesus do? You know, or should, should I do this? Or should, why don't we live our lives? What did Jesus do? We have so much there. It's like, how did Jesus live his life on a daily basis? If it worked for Jesus, it should work for us. How did the early church live? Have we become so consumer-minded at the church at large, making things seem so easy and palatable, they've lost its power? What if we can have... There is an aspect of social media and apps that are addictive and destructive. What if there are certain things that become addictive and help you become all that God has called you to become? So we're, that's what, a new method of developing disciples. October is the, the launch date. We're praying and we're working hard on these things. The third thing, a new identity, a new method of, of training and developing disciples. And then the third thing is finding our new place for our next campus. We're still figuring out everything with Sarasota, but, but God's also said, spoken to our hearts that we really believe to launch another campus in California. And in the last two weeks, we've, just this year, we've already got a couple of real estate people. We've already reviewed four different possible campuses. None of them work just yet, but it's going to take money. It's going to take commitment. If we ask, what does God have in store into the new? What does this look like? It, looks, it is a new identity. It is a new way of developing disciples, and it is a new expression, a new, a new campus, our next campus in addition to this. What is God calling you into? And sometimes God's saying, go, go, and you're like, but I got all these things. I have all these reasons. But, but when you do what God says, you'll see what, what only God can do when you can experience unexpected overflow. Now, they're, they're, they're out there on, on the water, and Peter lets down his nets. And there was so much fish, his nets began to break. Are you ready for God to bring more into your life than you can handle? Or are you like, I can't handle this on my own? Your company, you're praying for more work. Oh, the, kind, the amount of work God was ready. Are you ready where you're, it's gonna almost feel like we, we can't handle this all ourselves? We are not reservoirs, we're channels of blessing. I have an idea on a TV show. Tell me what you think. It's called Holy Hoarders. Is there still Christian TV? I don't know. I don't watch any Christian TV, but is there? They should put this on a Christian TV network. Holy Hoarders, where people receive miracles from God and they don't share it with anyone. They keep it all for themselves. Do you notice that when Peter's net begins to break he says let's get this boat over over here you see miracles aren't meant to be stored for yourself they're to be shared with other people and I think I'm talking with some people who are in a season where they're like I tried it wasn't just you just sat back and did nothing you're like I tried they they were working hard all night and caught nothing Maybe there's a couple here and you're like, we try. We, we've been trying, we've done everything we know to get pregnant and haven't been able to have a kid yet. Someone here who, who's tried to get into that school, to get that degree and you just can't find a way to get accepted. You're like, I, I, I'm not just sitting back doing nothing. I've, I've tried. I've tried to expand my business and, and all I've experienced is, is failure. I wonder... If some of us in this room have become quiet quitters, even in our relationship with Jesus. Have you heard what a quiet quitter is? A quiet quitter is someone who doesn't actually quit. Like they don't leave their job. They just do the minimal amount of work. They're make, they make sure that they're around when the boss is around. Their heart is not in it, their mind is not in it, and I wonder if even you're here in church today, but the reality is you've become a quiet quitter in following Jesus, where you used to believe in miracles, you used to believe in becoming all that God's called you to become, and now it's, I just gotta get there every once in a while to check it off the list. Quiet, quiet quitters, there, there's so much more. Would you just start in the shallow? Jesus says, well, can we go on to the shallow? If You start in the shallow, just don't stay in the shallow because God's calling you into the deep. I believe he's calling this church into the deep. He, he's calling us into a season of miracles, into, into abundance. When Peter gave Jesus his boat, Jesus brought a miracle. If we were to read further, when Peter gave Jesus his life, Peter became the miracle. This is a season to not just receive miracles from God, but to become a miracle for God. For someone, the first step in that is you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is not about joining a religion. It's about a relationship with a God who loves you. God loves you so much. He loves you just as you are, but He loves you too much to see you stay the same. This is about stepping on the pathway of purpose and destiny that's only found in a relationship with Jesus. And if you want to make that decision, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me so you're not alone in it. Would everyone in the room repeat this prayer? Would you say, dear Jesus, come into my life as Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me, accepting me, and forgiving me. I am a sinner. You are my Savior. And today is my new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. So proud of each and every one of you who prayed that prayer. I've gone over, but, but I really believe God wants to do something in our hearts. Because it is so hard to live life frustrated. Like, why try? Fish all night, catch nothing? Why even go out? Working hard, trying to restore this relationship and nothing's working. Why try? Try, Trying to further my career, not making any progress. Why try? Why why try? And yet yet Jesus is saying, head out into the deep and, and let your nets down. It didn't work. I'm tired. The nets are already clean. We'll try this another time. But what if Jesus is saying, No, now? Now's the time to head into the deep end. You, you tried it on your own, you tried it in your own expertise. But out of nowhere, wait, here comes Jesus.